Welcome to this week's episode of the Blank Page to Bestseller podcast. I'm Peter Wheatmarsh and your host, and I am joined once again, as always, by Colleen and KZ. We begin this week's episode with our Biz Buzz segment, where we talk a little bit about the ISBNs and the ASINs and what the difference is between the two of them. Then in our second segment, Colleen is joined by Susie Clark, a book designer and someone who works with authors to help publish their book. Susie and Colleen talk about Susie's professional journey from working with a publisher to being her own boss and helping other authors publish their book. Thank you for listening to this week's show. We hope you enjoy. Please be sure to like and subscribe to the show on the podcast player of your choice. And if you have any questions, comments, or would like to be a part of the show, please reach out to the author's voice at the link in the show notes. Have a great week. Welcome to this week's Biz Buzz segment on the Blank Page to Bestseller podcast. I am joined once again, as always, by Colleen and KZ. And this week, we're going to answer a few questions on what ISBNs are and what ASINs are. And I'm going to actually turn it over to Colleen to um, give us a little bit of a uh, frequently asked questions that uh, me and KZ are going to uh, to help answer for you today. So, Colleen? Thanks, Peter, and welcome, everybody. Today, we are talking about, as Peter said, the differences between an ASIN and an ISBN and why. We've had some questions from our listeners, and we'd like to answer those for you today. So I'm going to start off, Peter and Candy. What is the difference between an ASIN and an ISBN? What do they stand for? And do I need both for my books? Well, I'll start off with what is an ISBN, uh, because that is something that all commercially sold books will have. And an ISBN is uh, the abbreviation for the International Standard Book Number. And like I said, it is a um, a commercial identifier. So what that means is every book that is on sale in a bookstore, for example, um, or any other place that books are sold has an ISBN. And it is a unique identifier that is um, unique to each different book. Um, now, there's a few different things, uh, pieces of information that are held in there, mainly, um, like I said, the book itself, but also um, there is a uh, some publisher information in there because different publishers have different uh, parts of the ISBN assigned to them when they get their ISBNs. Um, one interesting thing is, um, like I said, it's the international standard book number. So this is an international number across the globe. And each country has its own ISBN provider. Um, in the U.S., it's uh, Balker. Um, 
other countries have different places in which you get your ISBN. Um, I know we've worked with some authors up in Canada, and the uh, Canadian government actually has their own free ISBN um, provider. Um, so depending on where you're at in the world, you have to get your ISBNs at different places. However, all books that are on sale need to have an ISBN. Um, right now they are actually um if you if you go look at the back of a book um usually somewhere by the barcode um you'll see a 13 digit number and that's actually what the ISBN is it'll say ISBN and it usually starts off with something like 978 um that's a the series that they're in now so um that is the ISBN um and I'm going to give it over to KZ to talk a little bit about what the ASIN is. Okay, great. Thanks, Peter. That was a really good uh, explanation of, of the whole process. I'll add one more thing about the ISBN as I'm going into the ASIN because it fits, the, they, they work together. Uh, the ISBN is required for print books. And it's also required if you're doing uh, a, uh, an audio book in some cases. Uh, it is not required, however, for ebooks, and that has led to Amazon, who is the largest at this point um, distributor of of ebooks. That has led to Amazon creating their own identification number. ASIN stands for Amazon Standard Identification Number. This is a free number that is assigned to all Amazon publications, all Amazon, all books that are distributed on Amazon. Let's put it that way. Um, this is how Amazon keeps track of their books. Now, what's important here to recognize the difference between them, this is also an international number, but it is a number that is maintained and controlled by Amazon. And uh, one of the unique features of an ISBN is that it is recognized, at least in the U.S., by copyright law. So it helps the author and the publisher to maintain their copyright on the, on the content of the book. Um, you don't have, that is not as widely accepted as far as the, the legal world goes as, as far as the ASIN number, although it, it's arguable. Um, I, there's, there are definitely, um, if you have an ASIN on your ebook, that does add to your copyright protection, okay? However, it's not as 100% accepted as it is with an ISBN. That's all I want to say there. I don't want to get into the legal stuff. But um, the a ASIN number is a great option for publishers and writers who are just starting out because it doesn't add a cost. It is automatically assigned and it works side by side with the ISBN. So you can have both an ISBN and an ASIN on your book. Um, and they, they don't, they don't, uh, they're not mutually exclusive. They don't work against each other, they work quite well together. That's really great information, Peter and Candy, about the differences between an ASIN and an ISBN. And we, when we've worked with our clients, a lot of them go through the, when we go through Egram Spark, they do get the ISBN for their ebook. And I have a question for you, Candy, that we have here, is that- Is that advisable? Absolutely, yes. I totally agree with you, and I I actually uh, do recommend for my own books when I'm when I'm publishing my own books, I get I add an ISBN to my eBooks and to my to all of my books, uh, and I do also use the Amazon 
ASIN number because there are places like, for instance, when you're marketing a book, there are places that would that prefer um, marketing companies that prefer to use the ASIN for eBooks. But if you're not working because it because that that identifies the Amazon that the book is available on the Amazon. Ingram Spark is uh, doesn't need that ASIN and they they don't use it except that Ingram Spark also distributes books at, just as Amazon does and they Amazon's books are in the Ingram Spark catalog. So uh, so there is there is a valid reason for having a uh, an ISBN on every publication. And I do recommend it. I think that it is your strongest protection as an author and as a publisher to have the ISBN in all books. Great, Candy. And one quick question there. So if it does an ISBN, shoot, if the ASIN number, is that strictly for Amazon? Whereas if you go through Ingham Spark with an ISBN number for the eBooks, it'll go on to the different types of, uh, like besides Kindle, it'll go on to any, a digital book reader that you have? Yes and no. Um, the actual ability for an ebook to be read depends on the format that it is published in. And that's another, that's a topic for another day. But if you have published your book through I, through Ingram Spark in, in their standard, uh, uh, I think they do EPUB as well. If it's an EPUB format, it's going to be universal. And the Amazon ASIN is strictly an Amazon number. Okay, great information there. Uh, that was from one of our, our uh, guests also. And then I wanna close with this question from one of our listeners. When do I need a new ISBN? <laughs> okay, um, you know, you, you, you would think that you would never need one, that you write the book once and it, you've got a number and you're done. But that's not true. The ISBN number is a unique identifier. Unique means exactly that, unique. That ISBN identifies that one particular edition of the book. Okay, so, and that means the content that's in it, the, the writers, the authors, the contributors, and it also means the publisher. Um, the distributor really isn't part of that process. Uh, as far as the ISBN number is concerned, it is all to do with the process of writing, creating, and publishing the book. Those three components are what are tracked by the ISBN. And if you, as an author, change, I think, I think, and don't hold me on this one, I think if you change more than 10% of your content, you are supposed to get another ISBN, okay? Um, so you should, and if you change publishers, you have to get another ISBN. Um, you know, so when you make changes to the content that are significant, when you make changes to the publishing information, um, if you were to change your author name, all of those would require an additional ISBN. And of course, as you change versions, if you add another ebook, if you add another um, audiobook, anything else you do. That, uh, that changes the actual content and registration of that book. Yeah, so thank you, Colleen and KZ, for joining us in the conversation today on ISBN versus ASIN. Uh, listeners, I am sure that you still probably have 
questions. If you do, please be sure to send us a message, leave a comment, uh, let us know what your thoughts are on ISBNs and ASINs. Um, I'm sure, actually, I know for a fact that on next week's show, um, we're going to talk a little bit about what KZ talked about and with the different formats of the book. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, different book formats next week in the BizBuzz segment and how that relates to ISBNs. Thanks again, and uh, we are now on to the second segment. This episode of the Blank Page to Bestseller podcast is brought to you by us, The Author's Voice. The Author's Voice is the premier online training platform for authors, speakers, and entrepreneurs looking to add a new revenue stream to their business. Whether you're an author looking to publish your book or an administrative assistant looking to expand your business by working with authors and speakers, we have the training programs to help you become a certified publishing professional. You can learn more about The Author's Voice on our website, theauthorsvoice.org, or please follow our social media at Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can find links to all of those places in the show notes. Welcome to our next episode of Blank Page to Bestseller, and today's guest is the great Susie Clark, and she is a German native born and raised in Germany, but she's been living in the East Coast for more than 20 years now in the Baltimore, Washington, D.C. area. Susie studied graphic design at the University of Maryland, worked as a graphic designer for a publishing company for over a decade. It was there where she took on many responsibilities and worked her way up to a lead team of designers as the art director, learning all about marketing strategies, publishing, and the design business. While working on her professional career, she also nurtured a freelancing design business creating a long-lasting relationships with clients. That's so important. In 2019, she started her full-time design company, Creative Blueprint Design. Now she can dedicate her time helping a range of clients from individuals to small businesses and even corporate companies that operate worldwide, but she especially loves working with authors. So welcome, Susie, and thanks for joining me today. Hi, I'm I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having Great. me. Sure, sure. So, when did you discover? Was it through this uh, working with the publishing company? When is it you discovered your creative juices? And when was it that you decided you would like to help authors with their books? All right, great, great, great questions. I um I had to I have to think about this a little bit because um as a graphic designer it's always expected oh you're just also a creative person and I uh I've always been a creative person in many different aspects of life uh but originally I actually was planning on studying architecture so but that's a really long story how I ended up studying graphic design I don't want to get into those details but it kind of relates to how I approach design and how I approach um my creativity too is that I am a very functional person. And so a page in a book is almost like a floor plan to me. Like to me, it's not just about it has to look good, just like a cover design. It also has to function. It has to work. It has to uh, draw the eye into the right places. It has to be easy to understand. So um, to me, I'm the type of designer that isn't just about uh, fantasy and, and beautiful things. It's also about 
practical things. And so that's sort of like my creative, my creativity, my creativity doesn't just lie in, in beautiful things, but also in practical things and being creative with that and making it work. And, um, I, uh, how I decided working with authors and helping them with their book that actually came through my publishing company. So when I worked at the uh, previous company in 2011, which is forever ago now, <laughs> uh, they acquired a bookstore. And, and up to that point, we would only work on editorial, we would work on newsletters, logo design, things like that. And then they acquired a bookstore. And all of a sudden, all this work fell on me as the art director. And they, uh, relied on me to make this happen to take on those books publish them we actually published a new book every single week so we uh, I had a team of four at the time we were very uh, pressured to get uh, books out and so I split it up you know as the manager of the team I had to make sure that everyone is helping as best as we can and those weren't just print books we had like usually ebooks but then we uh some of those books were printed based on which book worked best and things like that. So I slowly started like uh, learning about all of that. Like, yes, I've always um, known how to lay out text and things like that. But then I also really got into book design. And um, that's how I started uh, working with authors because they uh, we have worked with a lot of different authors. And I really learned a lot about the book industry itself, um, about printing books, because uh, at the time, we would print all of our books and we would print not just like a couple copies. It wasn't print on demand. We would work with print um, companies, vendors, and we would print like 10,000 at a time. So it was a lot on me to make sure that these books are right. You know, when they go to print, it was a lot, uh, but it was um, a really, really good experience. And that's kind of, kind of where it started with me. That's really cool. That's really cool. And I know you don't want to go back to the architect thing, but you know, architecture is creativity in my brain because you're designing so many different things, but we, we won't go into that. Uh, but <laughs> that I think that's interesting um, how there there is a creative side, no matter what it is, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And like, yeah, I truly uh, love architecture and there's so much to, yeah, there's a lot of creative there's a big creative process to all of that, whether that's the exterior, the interior, absolutely, yes. Yeah. And that's kind of like the, there's an architecture to the book too. You have your front back matter, your back matter, your cover design, that type of thing. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it totally relates to each other. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, that's funny. So um, during your work with the publishing company that you worked for, how did you, did were you self-taught on how to self help people self-publish or did you take a class? Did you, what, what, how did that come about? Yeah. So at the time, because the company I worked for was also a publishing company, we published everything through their platform. Uh, so we printed with outside vendors and then we just sold the books through their website. So there wasn't anything about the self-publishing um um vendors that we know uh, that we use right now uh like kdp amazon kdp or ingham spark but um there were a few times when we did have to when authors wanted to be on amazon so we um as a team like we did have a fulfillment team uh within my company it was a very very large company and uh so uh, i worked with them together to put the books on amazon so i slowly started learning about it and then I do have to give credit to someone. Uh, when I first started taking my business full time in 2019, um, I don't know if it was that year or maybe a year later, I met someone who was actually teaching about uh, KDP and uh, how to um, 
create your own books uh, and, and put them on KDP. Uh, and through her, I uh, really learned more and more about KDP. I was really like, oh, this is a really cool platform. Like, I really like this. And uh, I already knew all the backgrounds of like how to create the right files. And now I'm like, oh, I can really use this uh, to help other authors. And I quickly learned about it, um, learned more and more about Ingram Spark and started um, really using that knowledge and work with authors in that capacity as well, and not just help with the cover and interior. And through those years, I, I joined so many forums. I just kept uh, gaining more and more experience in that. And I've kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say self-taught in that way, but yes, in a way I acquired that information that is completely free out there for everyone. But at this point, I can freely talk about it. I have so many numbers in my head about like who charges what, how easy it is to publish on KDP versus Ingram Spark, or like, you know, how much they charge and what papers they have available. Like it's it's just like it comes second nature to me right now at this point. And so yeah, that's kind of how it how I got started with that. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it's also interesting since you do do book design, that type of thing, um, how it, it's really important to design those covers to the size of the book, like the trim size, make sure that that's all correct and all of that. Do you work in InDesign at all? Is that what yes. you do? Your yes, book? I do work in InDesign and, and yeah. I've always yeah. worked in design. Actually, that's not true. Uh, when I first started, uh, when I went to college, we learned Quark Express. And then when I was working at the company, the, during the first few years, everyone was switching over to Ingram Spark. Uh, I'm sorry, in design. Yeah. <laughs> and I have publishing on my mind. Yeah. Uh, everyone was switching over to InDesign. So as the company, we all decided we need to switch and, and go with what is current. So, and InDesign is still the um, best software to use definitely yeah I'm going to be teaching myself in design soon I used it years ago and I haven't used it a long time so I think I'm gonna take the plunge and just see what it's all about again <laughs> that's awesome but, and just know like even for me as someone who has used in design for I don't know 16 some years now like you will never use every single tool so don't worry just like learn <laughs> the tools that you really, really need to use and get really good at those. Don't worry yeah. about every single flare and whatnot we can add. <laughs> well, thank you for that advice. I'll come to you if I have any questions. <laughs> <laughs> <Anytime>. <laughs> so we, I was talking to you a little bit about this, how we believe authors need to focus on making their book their business. And you do a lot of brand, um, brand work for people. And so Putting brand work and brand consistency, even for authors, is important so that they can sell their book because a lot of people don't know what to do. So how is it with authors that you can you help create brand consistency? Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah. I think, okay, I'm going to try to wrap my mind around it to make sense out of it uh, the way I understand it. Um, so for once, as an author, you want to make sure that you are... Um, within your genre, just like a company will brand their logo. If you have a technology company, you don't want to look like you're a bakery. So like, you know, you kind of want to make sure that your book also has that feel to it, that if it's a serious book, it doesn't look like a children's book, you know, so you kind of want to make sure that your cover looks like that. And then also the interior. Uh, that's one way to add consistency and, and brand yourself. But then also, you need to really uh, make sure that your book is your business. So like you 
um, you can't just expect your book is on Amazon and all of a sudden it will sell. Like you really have to be behind your book. You have to, you have to share your excitement and your, um, everything you know about your book, like with your audience, like way before you even publish your book, you have to market your book. Like you cannot expect Amazon to market your book. It, there are way too many books on Amazon. Uh, your book will never be found if you don't talk about it. So make your book, your business, uh, by sharing about it, like get your, like, there's so many free ways to market your book. You don't necessarily have to use ads either. Like I've had I've worked with authors that have been super successful without ads even. So like, don't worry, like you don't have to like all of a sudden create a marketing department and spend a ton of money. Yes, that can be helpful. Uh, but at the same time, there's so many resources out there. And just by sharing your own excitement, you can um, tell so many people. You can use Instagram, you can use TikTok, BookTok, whatever is out there. There's so many ways to, or Facebook, to spread the news about your book and just keep talking about it from the beginning. Take your audience on a journey. Um, like, you know, before you even create your cover, you can start talking about picking your, choosing your cover designer. You can talk about um, the process of creating the cover, how you even got to this. And then you have the big cover reveal date. So you slowly gain followers and, and, and build that traction to uh, to your final end goal, your release day. But then also, I always tell authors that it doesn't stop there. Like marketing continues. You don't just like hype for the big day and think, okay, now I got my number one best-selling ranking spot in that one category. You can keep going. And if you if you are someone that's listening right now and you actually forgot to do all of that and you're like, oh no, I never marketed my book, don't worry. You can still do that. Like those best-selling ranking lists, they always um, update every single day. Like it's never the same. And so you can still hit a number one best-selling rank even after you've published. So just keep um, getting people excited about your book. Keep sharing about your book and have an email list, things like that. So there's always um, ways to market your book. And uh, yeah, you truly have to make that your own business. Like that is your book. You want your your baby to be out there. So tell people about it. Yeah. Yeah. You, it sounds like we have a lot of the same philosophies in, in educating authors because that's what we we try to educate our people and say your marketing starts before you even write you know your book you know get your story out there just start sharing with people just little bits and pieces and moving on but your marketing does not stop the date of publication <laughs> you, won't, you won't sell any books yeah yeah. yeah, one time I created this little guidebook. It's 10 steps to your book success. And yeah. people are surprised to see that marketing is the one, the first point that I, that's the first step I, I mentioned in there because like sometimes people think cover design, copy editing, but no, really start with marketing. Like it starts there and it ends there. <laughs> it just yeah. never stops. Yeah, it's exactly, exactly. So what is your number one piece of advice that you would give authors if you had to think about it? Like one really important thing that you give. You'd yeah. Them. Um, and you kind of touched on this earlier. Like I, I was thinking about this uh, when you said something. So one of my biggest pieces of advice to new authors or authors in general is that not every designer is also a book designer. So even if you have someone, let's say you even have a team and they have designers on it, that doesn't mean that they truly understand book design. Uh, I have had it, I've constantly have this happening that I have authors say like, yes, I already have the cover design done. 
I, I just need you for the interior or, or help me through the self-publishing process. But then I see the cover files and I'm like, how did they know what the spine size is? We didn't do the interior yet. And the interior doesn't get, um, you can't figure out the spine size until the interior, the final page count is determined. So, or which platform you even go with. Like everyone has different uh, spine dimensions, like depending on the thickness of the paper, the kind of paper they use. So, um, so when you look for a designer to hire for your book, uh, make sure that they understand um, what book design is, what these publishing platforms are, because not every uh, designer knows about it. And uh, it's okay if they don't, but make sure that they learn it, you know, <laughs> like, so like, or that they're willing to share those files. Like I also sometimes then take those files and they get the original files uh, from those designers. And then I just adjust them to the right uh, specifications that are needed. But I've also had designers that didn't have access to their original designers anymore. And then I had to recreate everything and they paid more money for me recreating it than what they paid the original designer. So it's really important to find someone that really understands it. And then I can go on with this, <laughs> like for the interior price too. Um, there are so many things like, you might find a designer that offers you a really, really good deal. Like it just sounds like it's it's too good to be true. And they might come up with something really good. A lot of times I've seen them use uh, softwares uh, that kind of automate the process. So they don't actually do much with their Word document. They just throw it into uh, some software and it comes back with something that looks fairly decent and it's it's usable, but there, uh, I would also expect to pay less for that versus someone that doesn't work from templates that, uh, that really takes your book as a unique new book and custom creates those pages that actually looks at every single paragraph line by line and makes sure that the rag is right, that the indents are in the right place, uh, that the whole page as a full looks good, that there's no offerings of widows and things like that. And you don't get that from every single designer. Um, and it also takes just like years of experience. Like I've definitely, I've taught a lot of uh, entry-level designers uh, to look for those things. And I kind of like, you know, learn things over time too. And I'm still learning. Like I continue to learn and, and like seeing what other people are doing as well. And uh, so, yeah, you just continue learning, but like you don't, um, I wouldn't necessarily base my price based on, you know, my choice, not my price, my choice of picking a designer based on, oh, this is a really good deal. Like make sure you look at their portfolio, make sure you've seen some of their testimonials from previous clients uh, and that they really understand book design because yeah, not every designer is also a book designer. It's, it's so true, very, very true um, about the design. And we we say, we have a quote, now I won't remember it, but uh, it's uh, everybody can write a first book, but not everyone can write a, do a second book. Uh, it, meaning, if, if your first book isn't professionally done, people might not be interested in, in following you again because there was either mistakes, proofing mistakes, design mistakes, and it wasn't professionally set out there. So it, uh, it, that's so important. That's a good point yeah. that you brought up. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a really good point. And, and having someone that understands those publishing platforms or what you can and cannot do, like some designers don't know that uh, the uh, print on demand platforms like KDP or Ingham Spark can't do spiral bound books. Like a lot of designers, I wouldn't have known that if I wouldn't have already worked with them or what papers are available or what sizes are even available. You can't just come up with whatever size you want. And, and right. 
I mean, you can, but then it's not that as easy. It it just complicates things. So yeah, right. Yeah, that's good advice. That's great advice. So, is there something that you would like to say or talk about that we haven't discussed yet today? Oh my gosh. Uh, good question. Um, personal or professional or. Okay, there's something I like talking about that is um, a book, but it's a book recommendation. Like, I love this book so much. It shaped me. Um, and I think it's good for everyone, whether you are an author or not, whether, like, I always say, even if you just want to have a successful yard sale, <laughs> this book will help anyone <laughs> because it's such a good um, book about marketing. And it's called Influence by Robert Cialdini. And that book is literally like when I uh, was at my old company, because I was one of the directors, they uh, uh, basically told us there's specific books that we have to read while working there. And I, uh, fun fact, I don't read all of the books that I work on. There's just no time. And I also don't read a lot of uh, books in my free time. I love reading, but I don't just don't have a lot of time for it or make a lot of time for it. But you know, I already work on books all day long, but I, um, this book is one of those books that it was, it was kind of hard to get through because it's, uh, it's a psychology of marketing uh, about persuasion techniques. And, uh, but it, there's just so much in that book about uh, selling your book and how to come up with strategies uh, that I've, I've read this book years ago. I keep going back to this book uh, and I notice how I'm using these methods over and over again. And it just helps me in, in, in anything I do in life and in my business. So that's one thing I would definitely highly recommend is this book. Oh, great. That sounds great. Well, Susie, where can people reach you if they'd like to get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, so on my website, creativeblueprintdesign.com, uh, that's one way to reach me. And you will feel you'll see um, there's a book design tab and you can fill out a contact form. Uh, that's the best way to reach me. It will send me an email and then we can start the estimating process. And another great way of um, following me is on Instagram. Also, again, under Creative Blueprint Design, you'll find my face there. <laughs> and uh, I love to um, share a lot of my stories there and try to help. I, like, I give a lot of tips for authors or for graphic designers as well. Um, every Tuesday, I have a Tip Tuesday. And then on Friday, I actually follow up with a little quiz on my story. So I always try to make it a little fun uh, and also just check in with people um, throughout the week. So uh, it's not so dry. And I really do care about um, uh, authors and other designers or even other business owners. Like I really love that connection. And I would highly encourage authors to do that as well and keep um, putting yourself out there because I'm actually not much of a social media person but when I started my business I was like I have to market my business so I better get on it <laughs> and Instagram yeah. is one of those uh, uh, places where I feel comfortable and and I really enjoy it so yeah Instagram creative blueprint design that's where you can find me okay great yeah you just said something about um uh well shoot what you just said it went out of my head Oh, I might have about the Instagram stories. Uh, is um, Tip Tuesday. <laughs> oh no, Tuesday tips. Um, we do Tuesday tips also. That's funny. Oh. When you said that, we do a Tuesday tip. Yeah. That's, so, that's so cool. Thought, when you said that, I thought, oh, that's funny. And I'm just gonna start going into our Facebook group. That's my goal is to mm -hmm. start sharing the tip and just doing a Facebook live for two minutes. 
about it. No, absolutely. Like that's the nice thing about content. You can really reuse it over and over in different places. And like, that's what authors need to learn too. Like don't stress, like you don't always have to say too much. Like small little tidbits are like totally fine. Like, yeah, I see that a lot with people like stressing, like, oh, I have to have the perfect caption, the perfect picture. I do stress about that myself sometimes too, but sometimes we just gotta go be ourselves and, and just put it out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, Susie, thanks so much for joining me today. It's exciting to talk to you and learn more about what you've done and what you are doing. And we will make sure that we have your links in the information when we when we when this goes live and we'll let you know. So thank you very much. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. Appreciate it. podcast is a production of The Author's Voice. I have been your host, Peter Wheatmartian, and I want to thank KZ and Colleen for joining me on this episode to discuss all things writing, publishing, and speaking. Do you have questions about today's topic or would like to be a guest on a future episode? You can learn more about The Author's Voice on our website, theauthorsvoice.org, or send our team an email at info at theauthorsvoice.org. You can stay in touch with Candy, Colleen, and Peter through The Author's Voice on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Links to all of those can be found in the show notes. If you have enjoyed the episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review on the podcast app of your choice. Also, please help us spread the word about the Blank Page to Bestseller podcast by sharing the episode on your social media or by introducing a friend, a colleague, an author, or anyone who would enjoy the discussion to the show.